Captain. Raging review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand. And let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alarm! Alarm! Ready! Who's your team ready? Who's your team ready? That's up! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ladies, gentlemen, children and babies, Cajun Nation, good evening, hello, and welcome once again to another edition of the Raging Review Podcast. To say we have a lot to talk about tonight would clearly be an understatement. I'm Jerry, I'm here with Nick and our good friend Josh. Gentlemen, are you guys ready to get this thing started? I am. Josh is, well, no, Josh is not here. Man About Town is here tonight. Let's Man get that out the way, is, first yes, of all. Very true. And he's true. he's uh, <laughs> he's going to run our live space for us, too, because I can't seem to do that right. But I've got my popcorn ready and uh, looking forward to uh, what tonight might <laughs> How bring. How fitting is that? You got your popcorn ready for tonight. Lots of fireworks, lots of fireworks. And, and like I said, a lot of great things to discuss. Josh, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? I'm well. I appreciate the opportunity to be on your guys' show. Uh, it's it's a thrill, it really is. I'm ready to do it. Well, let's get the show on the road. Like I said, lots to discuss tonight. We'll talk about the New Orleans Bowl. Cajuns drop a heartbreaker to Jacksonville State. They end their season with a record of six and seven for the second year in a row. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll analyze the state of the football program and what we saw this year, and give our thoughts. We'll also discuss. Uh, women's basketball a little bit as well as men's basketball cages dropping a tough one in Lake Charles yesterday to the Magnese Cowboys first loss against Magnese in nine games so that'll be an interesting conversation and we'll also talk a little bit about the state of the basketball program and uh, what give our thoughts on that as well we'll also have special guest our good friend friend of the pod mr dave schultz coming on for a few minutes to hop on and talk a little bit about what he saw in the bowl game as well as yesterday's showdown in lake charles we'll talk about a few staff changes as well as um, another addition to the portal uh, from the cajuns football team but first before we do that let's hear from our sponsors and give them a thanks for uh, showing some love for rage review hey everybody thanks again for joining rage review for another weekly episode we just like to encourage you to patronize our great sponsors like Dr. Brett Venable and Recovery Cairo Med. Have you been in a car accident or hurt yourself lifting on the job? Are you having neck pain or back pain, but really don't want to deal with a long drawn out process? Then call the chiropractor Raging Cajun athletes use for their neck and back pain, Dr. Brett Venable. The bottom line is you just need to feel better. You need to get better quickly. That's where Dr. Brett Venable comes in to make all the difference. Dr. Venable and his integrated team of rehab, chiropractic, and medical doctors have three locations in Acadiana to serve you. Opelousas, New Iberia, and of course, main office in Lafayette. Dr. Brett Venable is one of very few chiropractors recognized by the state of Louisiana as a chiropractic specialist. He is also the only chiropractor in the Cajuns Healthcare Alliance and the only chiropractor on the board at Tulane School of Professional Advancement. 
Before you start to stress about the process, remember, this is exactly why you pay for car insurance. These situations are exactly why you carry Workman's Comp. There's no need for a court date. Your first call should be to Dr. Brett Venable and his great team at Recovery Cairo Med. No hassle, no waiting, and quick relief. Come and find out what our Raging Cajun athletes and over 10,000 Acadiana residents already know. For more information, call the Lafayette office at 337-988-2188 or visit recoverychiromed.com, recoverychiromed.com. We'd like to thank Dr. Brett Venable for being an RCAF member and the exclusive chiropractic sponsor of the Raging Review podcast. Also, a huge thank you to Absolutely Embroidery and More. We know how much Cajun Nation loves their gear. At Raging Review, we get our gear from Miss Phyllis Thibodeau and the team at Absolutely Embroidery and More. Absolutely has a massive inventory of Raging Cajun apparel to choose from. If you can't find something you like, Absolutely can make something you'll like right there in the shop. And if your creation proves to be a popular item with customers, Absolutely will give you a little incentive for helping out with the cause. Bring in your vermilion and white shirts, hats, shorts, socks, dresses, jackets, sweaters, or whatever garment you need to represent the Cajuns. Absolutely also offers customized embroidery services to promote your business on hats, polos, uniforms, etc. Absolutely rounds out the collection with an assortment of exciting accessories for the lady Cajuns in your life. Earrings, headbands, bracelets, clutches, and bags are just a few options to complete her spicy look. Pass by 3010 Collie Saloon Roan in Lafayette and see the wonderful ladies at Absolutely Embroidery and More today. They'll treat you to quality Cajun clothing, complimentary gourmet cookies, and a friendly conversation. And if you're an out-of-town raging Cajun, visit them on the web at absolutelyembroideryandmore.com or visit their social channels on Instagram or Facebook. There, you'll find pictures of what the ladies are putting on the shelves in real time. Once again, folks, please support local businesses and please support businesses that support the Raging Cages and especially the Raging Review Podcast. And once again, thanks to our sponsors again, Dr. Brett Venable, Recovery Cairo Med and Absolutely Embroidery and more. Be sure to check these businesses out, support local and of course, support those who support the Raging Review Podcast. All right, so let's get down to business. Again, we have a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, I'm just going to give it two words, guys. Game on. Game on. A um, lot of lot of anticipation for tonight. I know we, we always talk, Nick, about how after disappointing losses, uh, this is a great time to kind of create a sense of therapy. This is a very therapeutic uh, situation, a very therapeutic time to just kind of vent. Tonight is the night to do that. So I just want to warn everybody, okay? For those of you who say we're too negative or we're not positive enough and we don't smile enough, you might want to turn off uh, off off this podcast now. You might want to turn it off now because this is going to be a night of venting. This is going to be a night of our fans just, just letting it all out after the disappointing weekend uh, of Cajun Athletics. I mean, we took a lot of L's this weekend, guys. Took a lot of L's. So this weekend wasn't fun. I know I, I'm preaching to the choir when I say that this weekend wasn't fun uh, from the New Orleans Bowl to what happened yesterday in Lake Charles. And some of you might have gone to the Cajun Dome to watch Louisiana take on North Texas and women's basketball. It, it was not fun. So, um, you know, we're here to talk about that. We're here to discuss what you saw. We're here to talk about your feelings towards 
UL athletics right now. Uh, I know there's not a lot of positive, but at the same time, you know, look, we're still fans. We're still diehards. And sometimes we just got to let it out. So anyway, guys, uh, looks like our good friend from Locked on Sunbelt, Mr. Dave Schultz is on. Should we add Dave into the pot or what? There he is. Dave. Hey, Ladies, gentlemen, please welcome our good friend, friend of the pod from Locked on Sunbelt, Mr. Dave Schultz. Dave, what's going on, man? Glad to uh, have you with us. Thank you so much. This is going to be fun, isn't it? I'm going to get crushed. Man, how do you, how do you, okay, I got to ask you, man, what product do you use? Because you always have the perfect, you got the perfect hair going every time I see you, man. Oh, I, I may have just put some water in it. Um, <laughs> I have some really cheap stuff that I use. I, I buy, it is one of the best purchases I buy every year. It's like, a, it literally is five gallons or whatever it may be. Maybe one gallon of this stuff, and it lasts me all year long. There's a secret. Just stay, stick with this cheap stuff, right? He's got that 1950s hairstyle, the gel. It cost me like twenty. It cost me like twenty bucks. It's the best stuff ever. Money well spent, Mr. Schultz. So, Dave, uh, the other night we we did the post game. First of all, I want to thank everybody uh, for tuning into the post game the other night. I know my dad and I were driving back uh, to Lafayette from the bowl game. Nick, great job on the mic as always. Thank you so much for stepping in. Josh, of course, we heard your opinions as well, but unfortunately, Dave, you, you were, you were on fire, but uh, oh. for some reason, I don't know where you were. I know you were in new Orleans, but you were in a bad area where we couldn't hear you and you were, I was driving home. Yeah, I was okay. driving home. So you were yeah. going in and out and, and there were some things that you were saying that was more was more on the optimistic side you kind of brought the ray yes. of sunshine into the darkness yes. of of clouds and thunderstorms, a little bit like we were driving bit. into right on the way back to lafayette so I, I would i would say this i'll start off with this because you know my third string quarterback argument isn't working when like western kentucky's fourth string quarterback comes in and throws for like 400 yards um but i would have much rather have lost like the cajuns did in what was a back and forth ball game than what ODU just did. That was 35-14. I can only imagine what you guys, and I would have no argument blowing a 35-14 lead. There's nothing I could say about that. You can't blow a 35-14 fourth quarter lead. You just can't do it. And yet ODU did. Um, I am more optimistic uh, for, for for the Cajuns program. So I did. I went back and looked because um, I couldn't think it off the top of my head. But I think Levi Lewis started all... 39 games of his last three years of his career, right? And so do we know who has the longest streak since of starting? What's the longest streak since Levi has less that the say left that the same quarterback has started consecutive ball games? Do we know that? I would probably say it would be either Ben Woldridge in last year in 22 or Zion or, or Zion Chris this year. I think Zion started well, like four games in a row, if I'm not mistaken. So Zion started Zion started, I believe, six this year. Six. Okay. He did start six. All right. And Chandler Fields actually started six last year. So okay. we've gone from we've gone from uh, one guy starting 39 <laughs> to um, not anybody starting in double digits yet. I think that's a deal. And I think mate, you guys would probably remember this more than I do, but I believe Mark Hudspeth, you know, 13, 14. I, I don't think there was – I think the offensive line started all whatever games they had. So that would have been – would that have been – It would 13, have been uh, what, 13. 13 no, all 26 ball games. And so part of the problem when they were changing quarterbacks after Broadway left was the offensive line was in flux. I don't even know if the same offensive line started three games in a row this year. It's just, it was just all guys were injured before the season, then coming back, and then other guys were injured. Um, and so we need to see what the product is. Healthy. All right. Now, where I will agree with you, 
uh, guys. And we saw this from ODU and I, I, you know, same thing that we saw from the Cajuns, although I'm not so sure on on Saturday, um, the Cajuns did not have a good defensive game plan against Southern Miss or Arkansas State. You needed to force the quarterbacks to throw the ball. And we saw when, um, when WKU or not WKU Jacksonville state threw the ball, it wasn't necessarily very effective, at least with Webb. All right. I would consider the first two touchdowns fortunate, right? One was tipped by Clark, right? And that could be an interception or incompletion. And then it may have been Martin who, you know, mistimed his jump by a half a beat on, on what was the second touchdown um, and a big third down play. So I, I, I wasn't a big fan of, you know, kind of rushing three and dropping eight because they're worried about the, the quarterback running. And you need to pressure the quarterback and stay in controlled pressure. And they just didn't do a good job of that. Uh, and they didn't tackle, right? They had a poor game plan and then it was poorly executed, especially against Arkansas State where they just missed tackle after tackle. So uh, I am more optimistic. I know we had a few guys go into the portal today. I think that was mostly on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and so we'll see what happens with the Zion Chris's and the, and the Draylon Washington's and the Zaylon and the Zylan Perry's, you know, and the, and the Robert Williams and the Harvey Broussard's and, you know, uh, Landon Burton is supposed to be coming back. So, um, and maybe the defensive secondary will, will grow up a little bit. Uh, I, I am high on, on this because you start to look on, you start to look who's in the West, you know, unless TJ Finley is coming back. Are we, are we just dealing with Jalen Rayner, right? I mean, Southern Miss doesn't have a quarterback situation, right? Uh, South Alabama's top three offensive players are all leaving. Uh, Troy, we'll see if Vidal returns. Chris Lewis is coming back, but Gunnar Watson has come back, so they'll have a new quarterback. So you got a lot up in the air in, in the West if T.J. Finley doesn't come back. If T.J. Finley comes back, I presume Texas State will be your Western Division favorites next year. Then I would put the Cajuns. If, if our guys come back, um, and I know we've lost some coaches, offensive line coach left. Um, I, I still stand by the thought. No one wants to go to Shreveport, but apparently Jeff Burris likes it up there more than he likes it down here. Defensive back coach going back to La Tech, maybe got a promotion, uh, to go up there. Um, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I still want to see, I think the problem that the Cajuns have had for the most part is health. Some people say that's excuses. I think it's reasons. I'm more about reasons. Th- those are more reasons to me. If they were as good, they would be starters. So, so Dave, that's, that's a, those that, are reasons to me. And that's a good point. But let me ask you something about the quarterback situation because you brought up, you know, Levi starting 39 straight games. Right. I think he came out like with like a 34 and five record. The it's only ridiculous. thing. The only thing I'm going to challenge you on here is last year, whenever Chandler was named the starter. Now you said he started six straight games. Is that? Are you referring to the first six games of the season or? Yes, later? yes, consecutive. Yes, he started so, the first six games of the season. So he started here's, more later on. Okay. Yes, he started six in a row. I was I was consecutively. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's a great point. But here's the only thing about that, and this is where I'm kind of – I want to ask you, wasn't that the time when, when Coach Dez played both Chandler and Ben where he was rotating them? I think uh, it, w- it was Ben was getting a little bit of play. He didn't even start the South Alabama game. He finished it. And that made was that when Chandler got hurt? Chandler hurt his wrist, I think. And then Ben, I think sparred. he got hurt in, in that ball game. But yes, there was a rotation. Um, I'm not big on the rotation unless it's what like Napier did where he's coming in every fourth series. Right. You know that it, he knows that doesn't doesn't matter if Raymond Clay Jr. runs for an 80 yard touchdown. He's coming he's out. He's coming out. 
he's coming out. And that was the point I wanted to bring up because if that was true, like, you know, where, where coach Des played both quarterbacks, I, I, it's hard for me to gauge and Nick and Josh, you can chime in here where you can find consistency in a starting quarterback when you're rotating quarterbacks like that. And I know, I know everybody was arguing about it last year about, Oh, well, you know, you got to trust the coaching staff and all this. But in my personal opinion, I think that quarterback rotation, because I went to the game in Monroe last year, Chandler was on fire on those first two touchdown drives. I mean, we were unstoppable. And as much as I love Ben, the second we put Ben in, I thought our offensive groove kind of lost its luster and we ended up losing the game. Like I actually thought the two quarterback system cost us the ULM game last year. So that's where I'm kind of, I want to put a little bit of responsibility on the coaching staff for that, because I do think if, Chandler or Ben, either way, would have been the starter to start the season instead of playing each quarterback every two or three drives. That maybe they could have won a few more games just by that that click on offense uh, that they could have with one quarterback. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit that's a fa- that's a fair criticism. All right, obviously I, w- I wasn't back in Lafayette yet, followed it from afar, um, but but I, that's a fair criticism when that when that's the case. If it, it is, I, I happen to think, right, Napier was doing it to get Levi experience because he knew that was his quarterback. So we're going to play him once every four series, okay? People thought it was a two-quarterback system, but it really wasn't, right? It, it didn't matter if he, if he, you know, I let him on a touchdown drive or had an interception or whatever, right? Nunez was going to play, and Levi was going to play one drive, regardless of what that was or it was. And that was just to get him experience. But when you're playing both quarterbacks and, you know, Chandler and Ben are, are, are slightly different guys and the other thing with Ben is I don't know what your guys expectations were coming into the year because I had no idea right because you know it's not a fair comparison but a Dylan Gabriel Dylan Gabriel coming into this season not finishing the season coming into the season had over 11,200 yards Ben Wooldridge in four years in college had 1,800 yards we didn't know what we were going to get with Ben right he looked okay against Northwestern State maybe a little bit of rust uh you know, got him back in the ball game against ODU, right? First and goal inside the 10, couldn't quite finish it off, and then got hurt, you know, early on in the next ball game. So I don't know what we, w- we would have gotten with Ben Wooldridge. We have an idea what we can get with Zion Chris now, all right? And so it's important. He was in a walking boot. He didn't have his little uh, stroller with him uh, at the bowl game. He was throwing, uh, you know, warming up on the sidelines. So... I think we know what we got with him. I think he's going to be the starting quarterback. Ben Wolders is coming back, probably taking advantage of that student athlete thing where I can go get a free degree, maybe a little NIL money if he's fortunate enough to do that. But he's going to be the backup. And uh, and I, I think the Cajuns are going to be fine next year. I really do. Now, if they are healthy and they struggle and they do this, you know, up and down again, then you guys can jump all over me. Well, I, I'm April. not quite as bullish as you are. I'm not hitting the panic button, so I'm not I'm not I'm not selling on the on the team yet. I'm I'm a hold, right? And okay. I think I think two things concern me. One, and you saw us exposed in this bowl game especially, is that right. we got completely outcoached. Now, Rich Rodriguez has a lot more head coaching experience, and I'm sure their coordinators that he brought sure. in have more experience. We sure. got outcoached and we got out schemed. And the second thing is How did we get outcoached? How do we get outcoached? I mean, think about your your second second. Uh, this is a perfect example, and this is the one that sticks out to me. Second down right. and one. Right. All right, what do you right. do? Two times you pass the ball, and then you're instead of going for it, which everything's telling you, you go for it. We punt, sure, and then we it's a twenty well, yard punt. A field goal. He right. kicked a field goal. Oh, yeah. we did kick a field goal in that in that. Yeah, yeah. But there was another point in the game where it was fourth and three. We're past the fifty yard line, and and instead of going for it, which everything tells you to go for it, we kick a twenty right. yard punt. What happened after that? 
God, I don't remember. Did they score? Yeah, they did. Defensive score. Yeah, defensive score. I <laughs> yeah, mean, they did. <laughs> it worked out. But the point it is, yes, that you know, it's just things like that. You look at the conditioning, right? Let, let's talk about conditioning because to me, that was the most obvious thing in the game was the conditioning of the players. Jacksonville State, they play that high-tempo offense, not all the time, right. but when when they get a first down, second down, they're, they're going. You know, until you stop right. them, they're going to keep you on your toes. At the end okay. of the game, we were gassed. And that that was part part of that was our fault because our offense was on, on the uh, – uh, sorry, our defense was on the field a long time. And so I'm not going to say – on the last on the last possession of the game, they were gassed. I'm just saying we were not completely gassed. Not our defense was not completely gassed, but we were struggling. Because the second to last defense of possession, they got to stop. Correct. They been no, they gassed. did. They did. They did. I'm telling okay. you. Okay. But right. I'm just saying the conditioning for Jacksonville State you can't say that they were in better condition than we are. Yeah, I don't know if I buy that. I, why, why would you? I don't understand. Why, I, I don't think. I was on the field. I'm not sure I saw anybody was gassed. Who, who okay. was gassed? I, I, to me, I to me I it know. looked like, like there, were, there, were, there were times in the game where we just got completely dominated by the defensive line. Now, they've got a really good defensive line, okay? I, and you got a defense. freshman talking, center. Remember that. You got a freshman center. But no. didn't we bring in Hudson like mid game that was having trouble with the snaps? Burton. Oh, okay. Landon Burton. Maybe. Landon Burton. I'm sorry. Oh, Who Burton. did I say? Hudson? Yeah, Landon Burton. Yeah, Hudson graduated. Well, <laughs> I thought Burton I thought Burton played some, but when I looked back, he was he was the freshman was playing again when I looked back. Because I thought Burton was gonna get a blindside block on that Chandler Fields roll to the right and then roll all the way back to the left. I thought Burton had a an illegal blindside block. Maybe it was AJ Gilly. Um yeah, I just I, I I'm not sure if I if I saw that. Uh, I I think they got dominated when they brought you know five or six players. I don't I'm not sure the four man rush got to Chandler all that often. Did that did the four man rush get to him? I thought they did a bad job of picking up the blitz, but that's no. I think you know, I think Chandler job. did that's a good job by Jack. I, I thought Chandler looked a little bit uncomfortable earlier in the game. I thought he settled in well. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Thro- he, he did miss some throws, right? He had Peter LeBlanc in the flat. Yeah, he missed. Him I on think that one. Yeah. one there was one. There was one he missed. They were moving right to left. I think it didn't look like a good pass to maybe Robert Williams because I think he thought it was going to get intercepted. If he threw a good pass, it, there was a, a corner in front uh, of the receiver a little bit. Um, I, yeah, he missed some throws. There were some drops, right? I mean, they just didn't have their their, their good day. And some of this was not under duress. No. So going back to the the coaching thing that I touched on first. Yeah. And somebody else mentioned it on here. I have this in my notes as well. 12 men on the field a couple times during the game. We've seen right. a lot of mental mistakes from our team the entire right. season. To me, that's, that's not – to, to me, that's all coachable stuff. And that's, yeah, that's two years in a row that we see that, right? Well, and, I, I, I'll be straight with you. I haven't paid attention to that. But, yeah, it did happen the other day. Yeah, yeah. and that's that right. that happens almost every game. We're we're pulling right. our hair out there, so that's why I'm I'm. And look, although, the although that, on that same possession after the punt, they called timeout with. Oh no, they got penalized for 13 yeah. men on the field, right? Yeah, correct. One time, I don't think. And they then got the next play it. was a pick six. Right. Exactly. I'm telling you, I'm I'm I'm. You won't convince me otherwise. They absolutely <laughs> baited Jacksonville State. <laughs> so so I guess my point being, and talking about conditioning, injuries, etc. I just feel like so. I need to see something next year that's gonna ch- that that I'm gonna say okay. 
and I know some injuries are preventable are not preventable. Like the whole quarterback thing, to me, that's an anomaly, especially two years in a row. To a bro- have all yeah, your broken leg. You're not going to have that, not, right? Was, his leg got caught underneath it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it feels like for the past couple, or especially this season, we've had a larger number of injuries, and we saw that last year as well. And I'm not sure that if that's a conditioning thing or that's just bad luck. But regardless, other teams have to deal with the same stuff. How do we well, adapt to it? What's the scheming that we're putting together? You saw Jacksonville State, State not necessarily. I mean, look, Jacksonville State had great talent. You, I went back and I watched part of the game, and they were a good team, and they were very well coached, but you saw a lot of scheming on defense. They were showing different pressures. They back out of it. They were at you know up at the line, then they dropped down. We we didn't seem to do any of that. You know, if, if there were injuries on the defensive line, we just did what we did kept doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And I think that's the frustrating thing for me is we never saw any type of creativity out there. It was just keep, keep grinding, keep doing your thing. Are we going to, are we going to change things up next season? Or are we just going to try to do the same thing and expect different results? That's what concerns well, we'll me see. a little bit. I, I, I would be in favor. I, and I don't like, you know, people getting fired, especially when it's me. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised uh, or disappointed at a new defensive coordinator. I, I mean, I would think that could be uh, the case. And I think that's um, where you're going to see also, w- w- we're joking our, our coaches are portaling out just like the players, but I think there are going to be some hints thrown out. There are some suggestions that, hey, if, if something's on the street, you might want to find a different position. You know, I would also agree. I think Josh brought it up, or others did. It wouldn't be the worst idea in the world if you brought in an offensive coordinator. All right? And if, and if you allow Dez to be the kind of the overseer of the deal, right? And can make suggestions on what plays to call. That is a lot on a plate for a first-time head coach. I know he was following Billy Napier, but Billy had a lot more training at the whole thing than than Dez, right? Dez's whole college experience is here, whereas, you know, Billy was in Clemson and Alabama and Arizona State. So that is a lot on on Dez's plate, and, and maybe he could he could give it up. Um, I was going back and forth with somebody today on, on Twitter and, you know, from my understanding, the scheme was different this year, or at least it was supposed to be than last year. All right. Last year with, um, the way everything went down and everybody who left and everything that had to be done by the time they got to spring ball, there was no time to put in a new, a new, a new scheme. And the problem was the scheme that was with the old team didn't fit what they had. So they trudged through this year. Now that they have a, a year under their belt, they tried whatever was going to fit this team. And, you know, for the most part, when Landon Burton was anchoring the center position, the running game really worked, right? They were able to run the ball really effectively. And then he left, he got hurt. It's supposed to be coming back. And then the running game was not as as effectively consistent as consistently effective as it as it had been, we saw we saw some um, the other day, and I guess you guys said he did come in the ball game, and and I thought he did, um, where they could get explosive plays right up the middle. Draylen Washington a few times, you know, eight nine yards, boom, right up the middle. So um, I, I would I would be for bringing in an OC and let Des be the head coach, and maybe a change at the at the defensive coordinator. Is there somebody on staff who they're going to promote? Because I'm sure you guys are going to have a conniption if that happens. <laughs> well, it wor- it worked with uh, last time under under Napier. He promoted from within and brought him 
uh, Patrick Tony was was uh, sure. assistant, and and it worked for us. Now I know it didn't work right. for right. him at Florida. He's with the Arizona Cardinals now, right? He's in the NFL. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I mean, yeah. you you can find a diamond in the rough every once in a while within your staff. I think the hardest thing that or the hardest challenge that Des has, in my opinion, is his. Does he have the connections? Right. Billy had connections from everywhere. I mean, he literally took a Southland head coach and made him his defensive coordinator before. You know, Ron Roberts went off to Baylor to coach with Dave Aranda. So that that's a good question. I like Lamar. I, I, I do. But, you know, again, you know, the numbers don't lie. The stats don't lie. The highlights don't yeah, lie. I, I, you know. I really want to be, and you saw it, you know, when I was watching the second half of the ODU Western Kentucky game, right? Western Kentucky's like, we're not going to let Grant Wilson sit back here. He may gain a couple of yards, but we're not going to let him sit back here and just throw the ball or run the ball. And if he runs past us, good for him. All right, I, we're just not going to allow him to do it. So we're going to be super aggressive. Meanwhile, ODU is rushing three. That's so what I, we did the other day. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I mean, look, well, in this ball game, it should be mentioned, right? They rushed against Jack State. They were rushing four. One guy was standing up, but he was always rushing, right? They didn't rush three against Jacksonville State. They rushed four guys, right? Well, Am I right on that? Yeah, the, the it, no, you are. And in that last touchdown drive that Jacksonville State scored before they, or the one that they scored on fourth down. They got to like the 20 yard line in three big plays because once again, we played a prevent defense, right? We kind of backed off on our, on our safeties, but here's the issue with that. Here's the issue I had and to Nick's point, uh, Dave, this is where I'm kind of looking at it, like from a coaching scheme and why I thought they outcoached us a little bit. We get the ball back. We march down the field to their, what is it? Like 40 yard line, 42, 44 yard line. What yeah. do they do? They blitz the house. They put a state, they had a safety in Chandler's well, face. Yeah. And it's I, like, you know, yeah. I, I, like yes. to me, that's coaching. Yeah. One's coaching scared or coaching not to lose and the other ones just being more aggressive. And I thought they were more aggressive than we were from that standpoint. Well, they had, that was the thing. I wasn't, I, I didn't like those play calls either. They, um, there was about a minute left and they had a couple of timeouts and they were on the Jack state 42 yard line, I think. Right. They, yeah. Yeah. Right. I know he missed from almost 42, a the, kid, the kid can kick it. Yeah. The kid can kick it from 52 yards. So I really only need about seven yards. We could run the ball there. Right. You could run the ball, Draylon up the middle Island. You could just, you know, you could run that. You know, they had that great play at the goal line that the, the you know, run Chandler and a sweep, right? We could run the ball there because, like you said, it doesn't take long for them to move. We need to be kicking this game-winning field goal, potentially game-winning field goal, with no time left on the clock, right? With five seconds left is when we need to be doing this. And so, yeah, I didn't li- I didn't like those play calls either. Um, I, I, we didn't need to be super aggressive. I don't need a touchdown. I need 10 to 15 yards. That's it. And, uh, and eliminate the clock. So, yeah, I didn't like I didn't like the I didn't like that decision making either. I would have I can milk the clock, run the ball, could run a QB draw, right? If they're blitzing up the middle, I'm going to take one step back and go right past them. <laughs> so, what success look for look like for you, Dave, next season for the Cajuns? What what does that look like? And and because I feel and I think most people agree that that next right. year is really the the year that Des needs to show something to us. Outside of a seven and six year or six and seven year. So what to you does success look like? Well, we're going to presume that everybody that needs to come back does. Okay. Starting with Zeon Chris. All right. So we're going to go from that. They need to contend for the Sunbelt West championship. I don't think there's any doubt about that. That has to do with them and it has to do with who's coming back. And now we, we I'm sure there'll be some, you know, transfer port, you know, Troy will probably go get a transfer portal quarterback I mean, can Tyler Buckner transfer again right he's actually going back to Notre Dame to to play lacrosse which is interesting um 
But based on who is coming back, you know, right now, I think the Cajuns and, I mean, is Arkansas State going to be like the Western Division favorites if TJ Finley doesn't come back, right? Could be, yeah. Yeah, that, you know, that freshman I, I, quarterback they have is is the real deal. He, he's, he's pretty good, he can do, right? Yeah. He's pretty good. He, he, need, he needs to get a little bit more accuracy on the on the throwing. Um, but you know they'll be excited. They'll be all excited uh, to come back, and they've seen some success. And he did a really good job coaching in season, right? For for a team that got slaughtered 110 to three in the first two weeks of the season, you know they finished up uh, pretty strong. They have to figure out on how to deal with success. They were not very good at following up uh, big wins with other big wins, uh, right? They went down, they had the big win. I think they had the big win against the Cajuns and then went to play South Alabama. And then that would, didn't look very good uh, at all. And then did Texas state put 70 on them? Yeah, they did. Right. They did. So yeah. And then they came up with a big win after that. So they're good at bouncing back. They're not good uh, at building on, on, on themselves. But I would think, I would think the Cajuns would be contending for the Western division crown next year. Uh, that would be success to me. Anything less than that, barring injuries, again, if you're starting three quarterbacks, you can't you can't have those same expectations. Uh, that that those are reasons; those are not excuses. So if this team has a team's back, has a guy's back, and stays healthy, and Nick, you want to talk about this? A couple of years ago, maybe it is the TB12 there, uh, you know, system. I don't know, but uh, Saban brought in some trainers that you know, decrease soft tissue injuries by like a third. Like we're not having hamstring issues, issues, right? That's a big deal, right? That's a big deal. So like you said, a broken leg is just an, uh, you know, is an odd injury just the way he was falling. You can't, there's no way you can prepare for that. But I, think, than, I, I mean, that's not unique ones. to us. We're, I'm see, I mean, you yeah. see it even in the NFL right now. Everybody's hurt. Everybody's getting injured. Yeah. So I don't know yeah. the answer to that. Yeah. It might be the COVID-19 vaccine. No, I'm kidding, guys. Chill out. It's not the COVID-19 vaccine. <laughs> but but it, it seems to be more common around, you know, in general. But I feel like, again, going back to other teams make adjustments. They do things, you know, and, and it may not end up perfect. But there were times earlier in the season where we had a full roster and we were still, you know, Again, stupid penalties, stupid mistakes, mental errors. Yeah, Not necessarily yeah. coaching on, but but you feel like they can be coached up to do better on those things. That and there was no improvement in two years. So I guess that's where I, why I'm not on a buy for next year, right? So Nick, there was there was some things right in the UAB game and in the Buffalo game, right? Like why is Chandler Fields throwing the ball with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter and throwing an interception? There's no need for that. Just run the ball, and if you get a first down. Great, if not, punt it away, right? And then and the defense kind of let up uh, against Buffalo, right? They needed a big first down to to keep the ball away. I mean, there are things that are correctable, although, you know, in this case, you know, everybody was kind of young, right? I mean, if you are obviously Jacob Cavoti, uh was in the ball games, but you know, if you are have Zion Chris handing the ball off to Draylon Washington, handing off to Zion Perry, those three guys do not have a ton of experience, so. I, there are some things, and as as you mentioned, right, Desmo is only in his second year uh, of coaching, so uh, we'll see if they have they can take the next big step uh, next year. And if healthy, they should contend for a Sun Belt championship. Absolutely. Can I can I cut in? Good. Oh my God! Right. It's like the quietest Josh has been. For, well, I, I mean, I was waiting Josh on to quiet for thirty minutes of my life. I was waiting on Jerry to go to me. I mean, you know, I'm not going to oh. cut in on his show anyway. Uh. Hey, Mosh, hey, it's all of our show, man. Look, hey, this is open thing, mic man. night. This is open let's, mic night, Josh. Let's let's talk about 
Reasons and excuses, I like that because I like the way you break it down. Uh, but as far as your point about being young, we, we're going to be young, but we need to learn how to be young because we're going to continue to be young with the portal. We're going to develop guys. They're going to leave, and we're going to be young continually. So uh, we need to get ready for this this existence. Uh, but but to go back, like I'm going to go and be specific about the New Orleans Bowl, and then we can talk about the football program as a whole. I know the professionals hate the term outcoached because it is overused. I agree with you on that. So let's talk about a little bit more specific in detail, right? You look at patterns throughout the course of a season, and defensively, the defensive staff in particular to me is a disaster, and I'll give you a couple reasons why. Game in and game out, we lose one to two timeouts because we can't get substitution packages figured out. Game in and game out, we can't figure out, we don't have somebody designated, not even the mic on defense can audible out of a certain personnel package into a base defense. How can that happen at the FBS level? I I just don't understand that. Um, You mentioned Jeff Burris going to Tech. I'm pretty confident in saying that I don't think he was going to be retained by the staff. So he took a job in Ruston. Got some some information on that today. But just to say, the cornerbacks who were the bedrock of our good physical defense have regressed this year. Now, we had some injuries. Uh, Caleb Anderson dealt with an injury. We had some guys leave. Uh, Caesar never panned out, and we thought he was going to get some some playing time. And uh, the transfer, Glenn, what was the guy's name from Southeastern guys? Glenn, uh, ah, hell, I forgot his name. But anyway, he didn't he didn't contribute as much as we thought he might. The secondary as a whole, not bad. We have some young guys, as you mentioned. I love Tyree Skipper. Still like Jalen Clark obviously showed out. Uh, I thought Keon Clark, uh, Keon uh, uh, Martin got better as the season progressed. He made some big plays for us, played well in New Orleans Bowl. We have some personnel back there. I still don't think we're as physical as, as we should be. I also think that's a function of Lamar's defense. You mentioned scheme and how it changed based on personnel this year. If you look at what Lamar has done at Vanderbilt, Houston, and his other stops, what he wants to do is get lean on the defensive line, and he wants to play everything in front of him. He loves the zone, absolutely loves it, absolutely loves to get a lead and keep everything in front of him, does not want to attack. He will press you if he has to, but he won't do it as, as his default. His default is bend but don't break defense, if you watch whatever he's done. Now go across to, ja- to Jacksonville State, blitzing aggressive defense. They ran 109 plays offensively, Jackson State did. We could not sustain drives. Now, I know some of it is because we scored quickly on, t- on, uh, on defense. We scored touchdowns defensively quickly, and that got them back on the field. So right. to Nick's point about being gassed, I think there's some credence there because we did look a little bit more sluggish than we typically do, and I think a lot of it is when you – I mean, that's double the play, uh, the play load you typically see in an, a Sunbelt game. So I can understand how they'd be, they'd be tired there. But offensively, the game plan, all right, going back to coaching, where are the tunnel screens? Where are the halfback screens? Where are the tight end screens? Tight end room is the best it's been here in a long time. Why aren't we utilizing them in the flat for the screen to neutralize an attacking, aggressive defense? Where was that? I understand that Burton got hurt. Fordham, the, the freshman, he is a natural center. That is his position. He's played well in spot duty for us all season. Now, you know, it's not a ton of experience. It's not a, a season full of experience, but you're not a freshman at the end of the season anymore, especially when you get in on big games. I mean, he played at Troy. He played at, uh, uh, we, we had a home game late in the season that he played. I'm, I'm off the top of my head, don't remember, Georgia but he Southern. started and played. Say again? Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern started and played the whole game, played fantastic, didn't have his name called one time. And you know on the offensive line, that's what you're looking for. You don't want to hear the name. So 
lot of confidence in Fordham. We, we did not scheme properly for that defense, in my opinion. We couldn't sustain drives. I think Chandler Fields, if you look at his stat line through his starts, we can all agree he's not a typical third-string quarterback. He won the job out of camp two years ago. He's been very good for us when he's had to come in and play. Uh, I mean, hell, he played good against Florida State on the road. I thought was, that was an impressive start for him, all things considered. He has not, he, he has not disappointed, in my view, until that game on Saturday. Uh, I just thought he was inaccurate, and he looked to be flustered for whatever reason. So, But I don't think that the, the coaching staff helped him. I don't think that he was put in the position to succeed a lot of that game. So talking about being outcoached and talking about coaches putting people in position to succeed, I, I want to go there. But at the end of the day, the New Orleans Bowl all comes down to this. What is the statistical anomaly that you score three touchdowns, non-offensive touchdowns, win the turnover battle by four, and still lose. Now, I know your, your answer to that was, well, it should have been 45 to three. Well, then I'll well, go this Well, not with the turnovers. No, no, well, no, no. turnovers. Take away yeah. the turnovers. Take away, say it's just a, a, man, a mano-a-mano game. It's, it's clean. It should have been a blowout, and I agree with you. But now we're going down another road where we're saying a team that played in FCS last year came into a bowl game after playing in one of the, if not the worst conference in America and had a better coached, more talented team than we did, two years removed from a top 20 uh, uh, ranking in America. Now, a lot of them left. Coaching staff changes. I understand that. The pedigree is still in the building. What, what, that should never, ever, ever be the case. I, we, were, we were not favored to win the game, but we were a three-point dog. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty nip-and-tuck close game, even in Vegas. Which you're there's, yeah. there's no, There's absolutely no, Well, it was because of turnovers. Well, right. Right. Okay. So that's part of uh, that's part of the game. So a couple a couple of things. Sure. First sure. Off, but three we're, defensive we're, touchdowns is not. We're, right. Right. You're not counting on that. You're hoping for that, but you're not counting on that. Uh, were screen passes ever part of this offense this year? I don't remember screens ever being it. So that's not particular to this game. Right? I, mean, I agree with that, but that is an that is an indictment on the on the offensive game plan. Right. So that that but that goes back from the beginning, right? I'm not sure. You guys, I don't even know if they did it last year. I need to. Hell, the Saints don't even do screen passes anymore. So I don't I don't know where it's gone. Um, and we definitely did it with with Trey Regis and Eli Mitchell and, and Raymond Clay. We definitely did screen passes. But I, I don't think screen passes were a big part uh, of the of it this year. Um in terms of getting out coached, I'm just I, I thought the defense, well, first of all, to the detriment of the Cajuns, right? Zion Webb got hurt, so he came out of the game. Smothers made some great plays. There were a couple of plays where they can't pass the football. They, they, they could they couldn't throw the foot. We lost to a team that couldn't throw the football. Well, Webb couldn't throw the football. Yeah, right. Smothers was slightly better. Yeah, but he found he made there was a great play where he he faked it to the running back, looked left, and then found the tight end. The down tight the end up the seam. You're right. I agree with play. you. It was a well, great that play. Was a play. That That's was one play, great play. Right? right? He did the Q. I didn't even realize he was in the game until. He um he did the QB draw. I thought they called timeout and put him in the game for the QB draw, but apparently I was told that was not right. So he did the QB draw. So if you want to call that out coaching, okay. Um, you know, again, the Cajuns, for as gassed as they were, they got to stop on the second to last defensive series. They got to stop. So I the, the the thing with that, with with playing a Rich Rod team, and you know this going in, right? It's a four down team. So 
when they get to third and and nine, if they get seven, they're going for it. And it just doesn't, it usually doesn't matter on what side of the 40 they're on, right? So it, it, is, it is a four down, four down defense, right? It's not three. And the only way to stop that really is you got to stop first down. And they were doing a good job. I thought they were doing a good job of that. Now, again, I was on the field for the last possession and on the wrong side to see where it started. Um, so I'll, I'll go back and watch it to see how, how, uh, how much in prevent they were. Um, but again, I, I'm with you that, that the, um, that we need to change the defensive coordinator. I want to be much more aggressive. I, I, especially not if it's a Carter Bradley, right? We got to keep that in front of us. If you're playing Absolutely. against a Carter Bradley, Absolutely. or in this case, this year, a Gunnar Watson, right? You can't, you can't be that aggressive because they'll, they will hit it over the top. Uh, but when you're playing against teams that, you know, are 50% completion percentage, you got to you got to make them make the play. And if they do, you tip your cap. And part of my gripe is that it's stubbornness. It's almost like we're going to do this whether it works or not because we're committed to a certain kind of formula. I, I hate that. You yeah. have to adjust to what is in front of you on the field, especially the different personnel. You got different teams in, in the Sunbelt Conference. You can't just line up and play your typical traditional four down and let's play a Tampa two and try to keep everything in front. I hate that. You can't do that anymore. Not no, in this day and age. No. But I will say this, Dave, and 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 this goes back to you being optimistic about, about the future. Uh, well, let me say this first. I'll give Jackson State credit for bouncing back from a pick six to go down seven with five minutes left to go in the game. How do you not get demoralized after that? You you. I agree with that. I, you got to give Jackson State credit there. I got to give credit to their band for showing up and being incredible. I mean, they they made the uh, the listening experience old school college football feeling. So that was cool. Rich Rod, Rich Rod called a great game. Other than the turnovers, he really did call a good game. Uh, and their offensive line was dominant at times. So uh, you got to give them credit. You know, we didn't show up and play air, and and that's got to be said. But but and I don't want to spend too much more time. I know we got to move on to basketball. I'll say this: a lot of people want to talk about firing Des. First of all, it's a waste of time. Second of all, I don't think we need to fire Des. I think that this is kind of like a, a Degs JT moment, right? When Degs got here, he seemed stubborn on keeping JT on staff. Jeremy Talbot, if you remember the situation, a lot of the fans in the fan base had seen the JT movie. It was over for us. We had given up, and. We, we had a season under Deggs with JT, and it just was not working. And in the offseason, we all said, Deggs can be successful here, but he's got to make some difficult decisions to people he's been loyal to. And to his credit, he did that. I know that Dez hired a lot of guys that he knows well, that he played with, that he has relationships with on a personal level. And you know this better than most. It is hard to let go of somebody that said yes to you in a desperate moment. Dez had to fill out a coaching roster overnight, and he got a lot of his guys to say yes to him, and I understand that fully. I understand the human element in that. Um, but this is business. This is, a, this is a business, and if he doesn't make some tough decisions in the offseason, it's going to be his ass on the line. So, so it comes down to that, and we're going to learn a lot about Dez, the head coach, from a business sense and, and you know, kind of protecting himself and his legacy this offseason. And and I you already see it. Jeff Jeff going up to La Tech and uh Nord going over to um who, who hired him? He I know he's gone. Was Duke. It? Duke. That's a great it's a great gig for him. I think he's a huge loss for our program. Uh but things are moving and shaking. It's already starting to happen. So 
I, I am more optimistic. I know that it seems like I'm not, you know, more often than not, I got to be defensive on Twitter because people are idiots. But, you know, the truth is I like our talent. I know we're young. I think that, like you said, health does play a big part of this, even though I don't think quarterback is why we lost games this year. I thought we were up, we were in the plus category, even though we played three quarterbacks, we were in the plus category in the, uh, in the quarterback room. Uh, it's not why we lost games. Uh, but, but overall, keeping the team intact for the most part, you know, you're going to lose your four or five, hopefully not more than that. But if we keep our core, our youth core um, intact, the guys that came out of high school that Dez kind of took a lot of flack for not going into the portal, he went the high school route. If we can keep them here and keep Zeon, I think we're going to be a very good well, football he needs team. To, yeah, he needs, to, he needs to go into the portal. That's a great theory, right? And I've heard that from Brian Vincent, and I've heard it from other coaches. Right, that's nice in theory. Right. Um, I even heard it from the Nebraska volleyball coach. Well, we want to recruit high school kids and build a program. That's nice in theory, and that works, you know, forever in college football until two years ago. Yes. Get with it. All right. You have I to. Mean, I mean, Ole Miss and my guy up in Syracuse are having the best portal of anybody. Syracuse is killing it right They're now. Crushing it. It's crazy. Yeah. So I don't even know what to think about it. It's it's fantastic so you can't that's nice in theory but when you get a Trey Amos and you develop them and th- did he play this year at all sure he played he actually played some big minutes in the SEC championship yep oh okay all right so you know y- you can't have that and then not go get guys in the portal because he's replacing somebody so somebody's coming down um and the other thing is It'd be interesting to see if if this does go on again because I, I think the Cajuns and I did this on, on a on one of the episodes of Lockdown Sunbelt, right? This is a two year transition period, right? This team has to be ready to roll. You're saying what they could be next year, Nick, and contend in the Sunbelt Championship. They have to win the Sunbelt Championship in 2025. They have to be the leading contender. These guys will all be in their third year of college. And if they're coming back, and hopefully Cruellans uh, is doing a good job of the NIL, keeping them here, they have to win, all right? If they build this stadium that everyone's been pleading for since before I got here the first time, and there's not 25,000 people in there per ball game, then I don't know what to tell you. You know, the administration and, and, and the community have stepped up, and if the fans don't come in, if the team is good, then I don't know what to tell you. I don't want to hear about LSU. I don't want to hear about anybody else. If we can't put 25,000 fans in an area that has 500,000 people, then, you know, Cajuns football is a lost cause. Yeah, you know, I, I don't even, I'm not even asking to sell it out. I would hope the first game is sold out. But they need 25,000 per ball game uh, in 2025. Um and, and and see where we are there. And then they need to win the Sun Belt Championship. Again, if as long as everybody comes back. But that's to me, that's where we're prog- we're progressing to. Next year, contend uh and be healthy and then be the favorites and act like it in 2025. Well, I think the majority of us here and probably the majority of our fan base agree if we contend next year, that's a big step in the right direction. Hey, people are gonna feel better about the program. And to your point, those high school guys that you rode for and didn't go to the portal they're going to be in their third, fourth year. So you got to produce at that point. And I agree that you're building to that. We've actually talked about that on the show several times. Uh, as far as opening up a new stadium and, and what the administration has done for the last 60 years, 
until they fix the actual problems that are going on within the fan base and the and the communication and the uh, everything, it's going to be the Cajun Dome. It'll be a beautiful venue with fifteen hundred people in it. There's a lot of work that needs to be going on done there, but that's a whole other podcast. Jerry, you can uh, continue to steer. I said what I'd say. No, it's a good point you made. I think with the new stadium, you know, it's good to see the nice shiny toy. Let's be honest. In Lafayette, we love the nice shiny toy, but the question is, are we going to stick with the shiny toy or is it going to be a fad, right? I mean, you see the – Dave, you've been here long enough to know when the restaurants open up, right? It could be the nastiest restaurant in town. The line's going to be out, you know, I'm stretching a mile away. Everybody's going to be waiting to get in. And then after a year or so, people have stopped eating there because it's a nasty restaurant and then it closes down. We've dealt with that a few times. I think the stadium hopefully doesn't turn into that as long as we create a game day experience inside. Yeah, we're going to have that. Yeah. We're going to have that uh, experiment with Top Golf and Dave and Buster's. Good we're going to find that out. But, uh, look, right, you know, yeah. The 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 venue can be nice, but unless you have a nice product on the field, it's not going to matter. I mean, you could put chandeliers inside McDonald's, but you still if you're still serving happy meals, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still McDonald's. So I, I, people I'm, still go out to go play video games. Doesn't everybody do that at home now? Is that still a thing? Oh, I do. I, oh, I'm, you do. I mean, that's very telling of my social life, but absolutely. <laughs> I do both. I, I get it. You being playing video games at home. I just didn't think, I mean, I used to go to the, to the arcade all the time when I was a kid, but I just didn't think that was a big thing anymore because we all have big TVs and really good graphics at home. And you can't, you can't rep- replicate ski ball, my dude. Like that is a real in life thing. You got to do in person. You can't, there's no we for that. Okay. Or like table table hockey and yeah no I get you I get you uh, Dave so uh, moving on we're gonna move on to basketball real quick before we let you go okay. did, now you came back to Lafayette Saturday night after the bowl game did you get a chance to go to Lake Charles for the showdown I of I ten yeah I, I I will say I know they lost both ball games I wasn't sure what was gonna happen in, in the football game I I was saved myself from betting on McNeese because I was gonna bet on McNeese I really didn't think that ball game was gonna be close and it I mean. If you guys wrote a script to the game outside of the actual outcome, that game lived up to this building. That was a great game. And talking about an arena, it was probably, I don't know what the announcing attendance was. I think it would hold 4,500 and maybe there was 3,500. And, you know, a Saints game was going on at the same time. Although I know, you know, one is starting and one is ending all at the same time. But that was a nice crowd. I don't think we would have had that crowd over here for that ball game. Um, It was a, I mean, we, I saw two wildly entertaining sporting events on Saturday and Sunday. I know they didn't go the Cajuns way, but um, I got my money's worth. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I have to ask, um, you know, you talked about the environment and and Lake Charles uh, at the legacy center and from, from the sounds of it on TV, it sounded Mm. loud. Like it sounded like when Magnese made that run in the second half, I mean, it was, it was hopping. And of course, you know, and I'll mention this later on. Apparently, we were like their final four because their fans stormed the court after beating us. That was interesting to see. Well, I mean, yeah, but they haven't beaten they haven't beaten the Cajuns in eight straight times, right? Even even uh, Will Wade is saying it's not much of a rivalry if one team always wins. So we finally won. Well, right? at least he said something that made sense because I'm tired. I was tired of hearing the 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 dumb guys who were calling the game keep calling it a rivalry it, it's not a rivalry until it's like us in southern miss until we start beating southern miss it is not a rivalry we can call it what we want you know i didn't realize this um but i guess will wade went into the whole they wrote about the whole nit experience and he admitted he was wrong did you guys read about that all that 
He was very that's cordial. Awesome. That's I, awesome how how self-reflecting uh, that is. Because um, admittedly, I don't think the Cajuns were on his radar until the NIT. And then I still think he was calling them Louisiana until that I Sunday he was. Probably, until a bonnet told him, no, they're Louisiana Lafayette. So he, you know, you know, you know, a few of those tiger people put, put, they, they went into his ear. Right. Don't call you know, that. There's no reason, right. There's no reason as the new LSU basketball coach that he's, he even thinks about the Cajuns. The only reason he would know Bob Marlin is if they're scouting both the same kids in Baton Rouge or the same, you know, teams in Baton Rouge. Otherwise the Cajuns aren't on his radar. And so then he got caught up into it. And admittedly, you know, I, I guess he apologized to Bob. Right, right when the game, right before the game I think, started. That, I think all cool. everything between from when we played them in Baton Rouge for the NIT and when we played them the other day in Lake Charles, I think with all of the crazy uh, instances that Will Wade had to deal with and the situation he had to deal with, I think he's been humbled personally. I think yeah, he's no, been I, humbled. What, I see it at the press conference. He was riding a freaking horse with a cowboy hat on, calling himself well, that's outlaw. Some, yeah, but that's. Yeah, but, that, you kind of, it's a marketing. It's a marketing. It's a marketing thing. Leaning but, into the whole but, image. And no. here's why I say that. And look, I'm that's not great a, stuff. Josh loves that. I love that. You got to realize who you are. And yes. what, it's not, even, it's not it. even who you are. It's the perception of who you are. Let's lean, lean into right it. into that, baby. I'm not a big fan of him, but you know what? I've seen him in his press conferences recently, and he seems more laid back. He seems more chill. He doesn't scream and get mad at every question you ask him like he did before. I mean, I think he's been humbled. I, when you go through an experience like that and you get a second chance, I think he's taking advantage of a second chance. So I, I wouldn't want him as our coach personally, but I mean, look, he's he's been humbled. I mean, he's got it. He's done done pretty well over there so far. I couldn't figure out because there is a difference between questioning and asking a question. And he knows because I've, I've talked to him about this before. Right. I make fun of Bob when he calls a timeout when he's on a run. Right, the Bob Marlin special, and, and oh, it happened. Yeah. It happened. Jeez, it happened against Eastern Kentucky. Right, they they get like five straight points. They're up by double digits, and then Eastern Kentucky goes on an 11-3 run after this Bob Marlin special. It drives me nuts. Anyways, I couldn't figure out how to ask a question without him jumping down my throat. And he thought about calling a timeout during the fifteen to two run, Bob. I mean, is there a reason that you waited until you lost the lead? I I, I couldn't figure out how to ask the question. Without it sound me, without it sound like, what the what were you thinking? Right, should have recorded me asking the question and just played it over the microphone. Right. Like you said, you know, the place was jumping. All right, and in this case, I will agree with his wife. I'm gonna watch all all the college basketball I'm watching this year. I'm gonna see how many guys get a technical for gesturing after a block shot and talking back to the crowd after a three. Because I've never seen either one of those. You know, if you do a slit throat thing back to a player, right, that's one thing. But that's not what Kintinji did, right? He, he, he basically did a Mutombo thing back to his bench. And Butler, you know, without a doubt, right, the, the fan probably said something to him. I'm going to guess, right? Because there's no reason why he wouldn't, why he would turn around and say something. Well, well, let me say this. I was told that before the game, the players and the coaches, because they knew the history, said none of it will be tolerated. None of it. I'm not saying it's a great call, all right? But I am saying that McNeese lost three players in the scuffle in the whole But that mess. was absolutely right. It could have been and, more. And, and, they, and they had to they make the call. They had to. It was they, by they rule. That call, I, I, that call was absolutely right. They I'm not it. even sure I saw Bob Marlin get excited. 
or maybe it was another coach. Well, none of the Cajuns players got excited. They didn't do anything. When they got started, when when the ball goes off, I think what happened was one of the McNeese guys tried to throw the ball off of a Cajuns player in the scrum. Was it it off hit him in the head dead? or something. Yeah, he he was like, I, you know, admittedly after the game, he's like, I was just trying to throw it out of, off of the player out of bounds, and it hit right. him in the head. And he but did. somebody on the bench said something to him after that. That's what he said. Yes. Okay. Was so so the bench. I don't, I, <laughs> no, no, it wasn't me. Uh, somebody on the bench, coach or player, don't know who, don't know how it happened, but said something to them and started that whole mess. So we're not saints in this thing. You know what I mean? Okay. Like right. she could. Not she. People can say what they want about the refs. It's always the damn refs. It's always when we go to Rustin, they're against us. And when we go to Lake Charles, they're against us. And if Dez would say that, they would crucify him. You know, that's the way I feel as well. When, when fans say it's the refs, we get made fun of. But when certain sympathizers of a certain coach say it, they're absolutely, oh, well, yeah, I mean, it's obviously no, that right. Was not, uh, you, you know. So here's the thing when, when he's like, well, everything that wasn't a foul in the first half is now a foul in the second half. Well, okay, adjust. Try a zone if you're in foul trouble. Let's do something, right? If you know that's the case. And so it goes from, right, it goes from like a 14-point lead and they make like a three. They get the the technical fouls and then, you know, make a three. I'm calling a timeout. Let's call the 30. Let's go. Settle down. That's when you call the timeout. That's when you call the timeout, right? And if I have to spend another timeout later, I do. All right. There's more TV timeouts coming. He's got timeouts. We'll have more timeouts. We're not worried about not having timeouts. So no, I he he needed to call a timeout. I couldn't believe he waited until they lost the lead. That was crazy. So yes, that was. And I, I, I admittedly I could not figure out how to properly ask nicely without. Dave, you're supposed to be the optimistic one tonight. What's going on? Here? Well, that was, I mean, you got to call it, you know, you can't allow a team to go on a 50 to two run, right? You know, you you guys heard it, right? So they weren't, they just made like two straight possessions they scored. Call a timeout. Let's go. Call a timeout. I, I did. Well, here's what I want to ask you. I, and, and right now, look, the Cajun sit is six and five. We've lost the last three out of four games with conference starting up, not. Well, they play Rice, and then they start conference on the road at Marshall, and then that's all conference. Where do you see the direction of the program heading well, for the, conference play? From what program you is different than the team. I don't happen to think this team is very good. Okay, this team. In fact, I would tell you they probably played their best ball game of the year against McNeese. That was the best. They were outstanding defensively. All right, especially you know. Like after the first five minutes of the ball game, up until about the ten minute portion when they got into foul trouble, they were playing fantastic defense. All right, uh, if they don't hit ten threes a game, they're going to have trouble winning basketball games. They need to hit ten threes a game. All right, um, they can't. Um, Contingy, you can't give the ball to Contingy at the foul line with him going to drive to the bucket. All right. I was the 13th man on a 12 man JV basketball team. And I know that if the defender turns him around, right, the other defender can come from the other side and just swipe the ball. And that happened a couple of times. You guys going to blame coaching. I'm going to blame the players on that because the players have to know when you get contingency the ball. If he's inside the lane, then okay. Where he can, you know, knows there's a guy behind him and he can see the guy in front of him. You know, if someone comes from the baseline, okay. But they got him the ball in some bad spots uh, that caused some bad turnovers. And that's, uh, to me, 
that's on the players because these guys know better. Themis Folks knows where to get contingent the ball and where not to get contingent the ball. Yeah, especially when he's dominating down on the block the entire first half. He was easily the difference in the game in the first half. He, I think he went for 14 and 6 in the first half. That might maybe 13 uh, something. No, it, it I thought was, he only had 6 points. I thought he only had 6 points in the first half. Jerry, look at that. He had some me, rebounds in the first half. Yeah. Um well, he had more than 10 but, in the first they, half. But they did a good job. They did a good job of double teaming him. I understand like keep on giving the ball, but when he did get the ball, even even if uh he had it down low, they were double teaming him. So, and a well, couple that means of times somebody's open. We took horrible shots well, they, in the second half. Right. Well, he did, right? They double teamed him. He found uh Karen Crow Joe underneath for a layup because they lost all their size. Right. So, that's true. I, I didn't think they had any presence at all. McNeese didn't have I was I was somewhat impressed with 24. Um yes, uh, shoemate. Shoemate. Yeah, yep. very impressed. He was I mean, his leaping ability is insane. Outside of that, their inside presence was nothing because Katinji's no. been okay for us, but he hasn't been great. You know, they need, a, yeah, they need to, um, they needed to get inside more. And I thought Themis, I'm not sure what, what he was doing at the end of the ball game with, you know, you know, 72, 70, you know, set up a play, run the offense. Even if you end up going to the bucket with four seconds left on the shot clock, but he went, he shot the ball with 15 seconds. It was just him dribbling at the top of the key and going to the hoop instead of, you know, running an offensive play. I, mean, we'll I, do I think that. Bob said he thought he was fouled. You guys may have had a of course, better shot than me. Of course he um, thinks he was fouled. Look, I, I, yeah. we, we go to iso ball way too often late in games. I don't know why they stop moving the ball, but it always turns into iso ball. Watch any Cajuns game. Last five minutes, iso ball. Yeah, I will give the Cajuns credit, right? They did. I mean, he's got the funkiest shot going. Joe Charles has the funkiest shot. It is the quickest release, and it's like on a. I'm not sure he shot. He shoots the ball the same way two times in a row. One time it's a line drive, and one time it's got an arc on it. But it is really a quick release. You can't block it, and he hit two corner threes to give him a lead. I mean, they very well could have, if not. I mean, after they blow the lead, you don't think they're going to win it because I think they were like down five, right? And even Will Wade was like, "Geez, we we can't guard everybody," and so we were going to give up the three. And we end up giving them a couple of to Joe Charles. So give the kid, give the kid credit. Made a couple threes. They could have walked out of that ball game with a uh, with a win. As far as the team this year, I, mean, I just again, I just don't think they're they're very good. I don't know what the rest of the conference is other than JMU right now, who's ranked in the top twenty five, which is great. That you know we're gonna get sick of that again. But yeah, I, I don't think the Cajuns are very good, and it's it hasn't worked out for either one, right? If Jordan Brown was on this team, that'd probably be a top twenty five team. If Jordan Brown was on the team, they'd be a top 25-ish team. You know, they have the shooting. You know, then all of a sudden, you know, Kobe is not as much focused. Themis can do what Themis does. Garnett can do what Garnett does. Joe can do what do. And these guys are complementary players. Now Kobe's got to be your main scorer. Themis has got to take threes, which, you know, that's not his thing. And yeah, I think a lot, everybody's moved up a little bit because, uh, because there's no Jordan Brown. And unfortunately, it didn't work out for Jordan in Memphis. So... I don't happen to think they're going to be that good. If if we want to blame the coaching on not getting the roster right, okay. But this t- unless this team hits ten threes, they're not going to they're not going to win basketball games. I think that's yeah, that's I, my assessment right now. And that's the thing about Hosanna Katinje with the importance of him having a good game is we've always lacked a you know a, an inside presence with the absence of Jordan Brown. I mean, most of those losses came because we were getting beat in the paint. Uh, there's any small they do, they do do a good job of rebounding though, right? The other night they, they did well. They they got out rebounded by five, which is actually considered a win 
<laughs> considering the fact well, that in the past the it's been out rebounded yeah. by 17 or 18. But yes, yeah. In the second, I'd like to know what the, how many offensive rebounds they got in the second half because McNeese didn't get very many offensive rebounds at all in the first half. And then they got some off of missed free throws and they got some offensive rebounds. You know, that um, Themis was called for a foul following an offensive rebound. Uh, that, that's what hurt them. They gave up about two or three offensive rebounds in the second half late. Uh, that was really the big difference in the game. But I no, I don't think – I don't have high hopes. The program is one thing. I think the program is probably fine, although it is disappointing. Not a lot of people are going to the games. Um, I don't think they're going to be very good this year because I just don't think they have the personnel at, at all. So. But, but okay, so let's talk about that because you said you think the program will be fine. Let's talk about the, the historical context of our head coach and what he's done. And, look, I like Bob as a person. I don't want this to be – taken out of context, but we've got two tournament appearances since 2010 when he started and every the, the year after every conference tournament appearance, it's, it's like everything is the same regular season champion. A couple of years go by, then we win the tournament, then nothing for four years. Then you win a champion. You know, it, it's like this recurring thing that we do. I, that's why well, isn't that group of five. Isn't that group of five defined? Not necessarily. Okay. I mean, okay, okay, so is Gonzaga group of five? I mean, they're not any, are they? I guess they are. I mean, they don't play football, but they're not a big name school, but they managed to do it by getting the right people in place and the right culture in place. And they I'm not saying we're going to be a Gonzaga. Recruits in the, they're getting top 20 recruits in the country. Right, but I'm not Come saying on. that we're going to be a Gonzaga, but Gonzaga started somewhere, right? And you got James Madison is ranked right now. And sure. I would expect that in our conference, we should be competing against teams like James Madison, who's ranked. And we can't even think, I don't know when, Jerry, when's the last time we've been ranked? In the uh, 1980s under Bobby Pascal. 1980s. So yeah. we're not saying we need to be a top 25 team, but what we do need to do is be competing for that Sunbelt Conference Championship every year. And like clockwork, it's it's a, it seems like it's another mediocre season right after we get into the dance. We should be building off of the fact that we just got into the dance. Well, we right, should, you right, know, right. we should have been promoting that. That should have been in our faces. We should see that in the community. We should see that everywhere. And it's silence. And like you said, we should have better crowds. We agree, but we don't have better crowds because nobody is is one challenging people to come to the games. There's again, you should that's automatic marketing. You had 3.5 million people watching you on CBS play against Tennessee. We don't mention that one time. The program has not said anything. And the second thing is, so if you're not going to do that, you have to have the results. And this 19-whatever-game winning streak is great, but you're winning against Loyola of New Orleans and East Tennessee State. So, you know, the, the health of the program, like you said, it's different from, from one game or a couple of games a season. I'm not, I'm not bullish because it's you, again, I like Bob, but you just gave him a four-year contract after winning two championships in 10, 11, 12, 14 years. So you just gave him a four-year contract. That, to me, is... It's a little concerning because you're you're telling me he's going to be here for four years, and if we're mediocre for another four years, how many more fans can you lose? What would you have done? What would you have done? I would have extended him a, a couple, maybe three years. I, I, I think, think four that years. Year, I think four years is too many. Personally, I would have said three. I think three would have been fair with a decent buyout because if the same pattern would have stayed the same, then you could actually maybe consider, you know maybe a change. I mean, I don't I, I, look, he earned the contract. I'm not saying, you know, but the, the data of 13 years has shown us that after a good season, 
I mean, look, in 2018, we go win the regular season. The year after, we finish in fifth place. And then we finish in eighth place the following year. Yeah, but they lost everybody. I mean, okay. All right. All right. So, okay. Come on. I mean, like, so 2017, 2018, right? The NIT year, right? Stove tweaks an ankle and Jakeen and Gant is sick. So they lose to UTA. um, Well, I'm not talking about that year. I'm talking about the year after. Uh, the 2019, we finished in fifth place because, and I know Marchetti went down, but that shouldn't have been a cause for you to lose by 20 plus to a lot of conference teams that weren't even as good as you. Like that was the thing that kind of started setting thing, things off. Now the following year before COVID, we had a lot of injuries and we finished in eighth place. Totally understandable. But then the year after that, we, we finished in fourth place with a loss to ULM in that mix and lost to a bunch of teams we shouldn't have lost to. And then of course, 2022 where we we had a good weekend we finished in eighth place we were, we were preseason number two uh or preseason second uh, preseason number two pick going into the 2022 season we finished in eighth so if you look at that pattern that's an average of sixth place going into last season where we we were able to win the the sunbelt conference tournament and i think that's kind of what nick's alluding to is you know the reason why the and i'm just look People could criticize what I'm about to say, but the reason why the fans aren't showing up is because the pattern, people are expecting that pattern where, you know, though, during those four years, we didn't even compete in the top three in the conference. You know, we just didn't. We, we finished in eighth place twice. We finished in fifth. And, you know, when you have probably one of the larger basketball budgets in the conference and with the history that we have, I mean, expect a little bit more than that, I think. And I think that's what most fans are feeling when it comes to, the whole topic of the direction of the program. Cause it, look, there's a lot of people with different, different views on it. I mean, but Josh wants to say something, but before you go, Josh, I just want to ask you, Jerry, what, okay. So we know it's a four-year contract. How much is it getting paid per year per season? I want to say the I want to say the base salary goes down from what it was before. I think before it was like six seventy or something like that. I think it goes down to five something with a, a lower buyout. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But I think the salary goes down by a little bit compared to what it was before. Gotcha. And who's the highest? Do we know who the highest paid basketball guy coaches? from JMU is? JMU. I want to say, yeah, before well, their money's worth <laughs> well, a couple of years ago, it was coach Marlin, believe it or yeah. not, in the car. He was the highest paid coach. And then when the four teams came in, I think he's like fourth now or third. So he's he's gotcha. he's still he up there. He used to be the Georgia Southern head coach, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Mark Byington. Yeah. But. Yeah. Like they I, haven't won of, a game yet, by the way. <laughs> as of two or three years ago, it was uh, it was Coach Marlin, and then with the new contract, it's gone down a little bit. And then with the four teams coming in, I mean, ODU and JMU are pretty well off financially, so that yeah, their coaches are getting paid a little bit more. All right, Josh, I got my popcorn. Go ahead. Well, everybody else answered it, so I would have given him an extra year, which would have given him two years. You got two years to turn this around because the year prior to the to the uh, tournament, the tournament dance, he was coaching for his job. So we've gone from he's coaching for his job. Literally, we had this. We know this for a fact. If he didn't make it to the final, he wasn't going to be retained. We know this. He was coaching for his job the year before. He made it to the dance the next year with Jordan Brown, which is the best player we've had here since Sean Long. So we've gone from coaching for your job to here's a three-year extension. So four more years. That doesn't make sense. That's overkill. Give him an extra year. Lower the buyout. You got two years. Let's see what you can do. If you're contending, we'll give you two more years. I, I just don't understand why you can't do that with an incentive base. I, I don't understand that. So that's what I would have done. But here's the thing. People around here love to compare ourselves to peers. Ron Hunter at Georgia State in a strip mall gym won the conference, or they, he took Georgia State to three NCAAs and two NITs in seven years. 
So why can't I expect to be somewhat around that? We have the best college basketball venue in the South as far as our size school and our level program. We spend, I think it's either second or third most on the assistant pool in the conference. Until this year, we had the highest paid coach in the conference. Uh, we have the best facility as far as training uh, goes in the Sunbelt Conference and one of the best in the G5 with the IPC. Why can't we expect to win the league more often than not? We invest the money. We have, we have the history, well, we have the fan base, we have the support. Why can't I expect to go to the dance every three years? And by the way, in a conference, that is not great in basketball. A really bad conference. And then, the, and then this is the other excuse. Well, it's a one-bid league. Well, Jerry told me and Jerry were talking about this on the phone today. Do you realize that right now the bracketology has JMU as a number five seed in the NCAA tournament? Which means they could win the tournament, or they could not win the regular season tournament, and make it as an at-large their first year. So that would give us two bid, a two-bid league in one year since adding JMU. Also, before we talked about Gonzaga. Gonzaga was in the WCC, a one-bid league before Mark Few. It's now a two-bid league because um, St. Mary's decided to start recruiting Australia and they found gold. It's a two-bid league. But nobody says Gonzaga shouldn't, they shouldn't expect to win the conference because it's a one-big league in WCC. There, people around here will find every excuse under the sun to say we we can't we just can't win big we can't win like that. Your comments, Mister Dave. Uh, you made some good points there. They did they did um, you know not make the tournament when they played LSU in the NIT because of the injury and the, and the illness. So that was unfortunate, right? Uh, and I agree it, with that. But what did they do against the worst Will Wade LSU team? In their home state, when we had the better team, is what first we were of all, told. I will tell sure. you, Josh, we should have never played in that over there. That, that I agree was with that. The number one thing to me I is agree we should that. have never played there. The, the other thing, um, does Nick order the popcorn boxes off Amazon or does he go and reuse them from movie theaters? I'm not going to answer that's that question for for uh, you know the sake Did of. Did you go a to a movie today and take the popcorn home with you? Is that I what's will going not on? answer that question under fear of prosecution. <laughs> Um, I mean, you made some good points there. And, and so it's really tough to what, what Mark Few has done at, at Gonzaga, right? That is the anomaly. And I'm impressed I said that word uh, correctly. I agree. Let's don't use San Diego to, State. Don't Let's say it use, again. Um, Memphis. Let's FAU. use FAU. Let's use Loyola Chicago. Houston. Houston was a peer well, of Well, FAU just years. got there, right? What was FAU two years ago? Getting their ass whooped by teams like us. Which is kind of go. my point. But Josh, so. you said Houston. We cannot compare ourselves to Houston because they got Fertitta. Trust me, that dude is just pay, putting money into We don't have a Fertitta. So we can cancel that Houston part out. Uh, you probably should, you know, expect to win more. And, you know, we saw a comment in, in, the, in the, we saw a comment that said, you know, Jordan Brown made the decision the last day before the portal closed. So I don't know what you do with that as, as a coaching staff. You're kind of stuck at that point in time. Uh, uh, I got, I actually have a solution to that, but we could talk about okay. that later, guys. All right. Uh, yeah. So the only problem with giving him a one-year extension, so now you're on two years, and maybe it doesn't matter because of the, of the you know, day and age that we're in, but it's kind of tough when you're telling a kid to come here for four years or three years, and you don't know if I'm going to be here for three years. That's the reason you got the four-year extension. And, and I know that, and and I know that, and we've talked about that. Uh, but I would say, 
you didn't earn a four-year, you didn't earn a three-year contract. You just didn't. And I have to pay the bills. I'm Brian Maggard. I have to look at the bottom line. You're not producing. The Cajun Dome is empty. I understand you need to recruit, but I need you to win. So go win. I'll put a bunch of incentives in this contract. I'll pay you as much as you want when you win. And when you win, you get a, you get an extension. You know, hey, there's a way to work this out. Yeah, but some of that is on Marlon and some of that is on the marketing, right? Like Nick said, oh, sure. I haven't seen anything on, you know, they beat Tennessee, went to the NCAA tournament, come out and watch the Cajuns play basketball, right? Uh, they play a good style of basketball, win or lose, right? They're not trying to score 55 points a game. They When they play good defense and they shoot threes and they like to get up and down the court, he's all in analytics. I'd like some more, you know, mid-range shoot, shoot uh, shots when the threes aren't falling, but they shoot threes and they go to the bucket. That's the whole thing what Marlon's always done. And the threes are generally open. They don't actually take bad shots for the most part, whether they make them or not. Uh, but I, I don't really have a, a argument against what you're, what you're saying based on finances, but it's one or, you know, in, in basketball, right. It only takes one or two players and they don't, they don't have that this year, right. They kind of have Kobe Julian and he's played really well in wins and in losses. Although I'm not sure he had a great game against McNeese. Um, and the other guys have not been consistent. Like Garnett has disappeared in some games. Like he, he's over five, right? And and threes aren't Themis's thing. And so we shouldn't hold him to that. Uh, but you, you know, Karen Crow, you know, Joe, Joe will have like a sixteen and ten game, and then we'll have like you know a, a six and seven game. How does that happen, right? You got you not you got to look for some consistency uh, from the team, and 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 we just don't have it right now. I, I just you know. Unfortunately, this year is not going to be a good Cajuns basketball season. So, Dave, let me ask you this question. Think about, let, let's pivot to football. Football. What was a game, and I know we all know the answer, but what's a game that was a statement game for, for Louisiana that said we're here? This year? No, just in general, in the last 20 oh, years. Oh, well, that's the thing that has not really happened, right? Unfortunately, the statement game was probably the Florida game that Hudspeth lost. Or you can say right? Iowa State, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right, a good that's one. A, that's right. the one that got us kicked off to top 25, et cetera. It, it did, but, but that one had wise, two. But, those had, but, that had, but that was an anomaly as well. I said it, I said it right. Well, it, yeah, absolutely. It had, two, it had two kick returns for touchdowns. Right, right. right. But the fact is. That it was also a game. featured Brock Purdy. I mean, Brock Purdy, right. yes. yes. And Brees Hall. But but it's a game we can right. look back on and say that that was a game. That was a game that people started talking about right. Louisiana football. Sure. What is a statement game that you can think of in the last 15 years for basketball that said, damn, that was a good win that that put us on the map? I can't think of one. Well, it would have been, you know, beating, beating Georgia State when they went to the tournament the first time. And, guys, I, I still remember this, right? I had only been here. Well, I, I guess I was here for about eight months at that point in time, right? I went to it. I was so pumped up. I got zero calls that morning. I went to the game. We had it all the sound, made a video. No one called about the, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns going to the NCAA tournament. Nobody. Right. And nothing's we, changed. I mean, you got can the do bracket. It we got the bracket. So that's not a Marlin, right? That's not, you can't, you can't do anything better than upset Georgia State and have a dramatic win. Right with Ambabalu is on the floor and Sean Long finds him and he puts it in for a layup to win a ball game, uh, and then and then nobody called. I don't know if it was if it was me or the station. You know, I still hadn't been here for a year, 
but nobody called the station. I, I cleared out all the guests. I wanted to talk about the NCAA tournament and the Cajuns, and I was, I'm shocked that nobody's called. Um, maybe it's just – I will say there was one win in 2017. I think they went to the Caribbean. They beat Iowa, I believe. There was a game against Iowa that they, they, they beat them pretty handily. Now, granted, Iowa was like a 500 team that year, but I, th- I want to say that was uh, one of – probably the first win against, and I know we're talking football terms, but it was one of the only P5 wins if you want to. Well, that's the other thing, yeah. right? We don't play. He doesn't play any P5s. And that's that's uh, what I, I agree. About to say. <laughs> I agree. Our, our schedule. It's both. Again, it's you, both. you look at, you, you can say this 19-game win streak is great, you know, winning as coach in history. Who have we played? Who have we beat? Who? What, yeah. what is the pro? You know? He doesn't play any. He doesn't, he doesn't even play. There. You want to know what? McNeese is going on the road to play Michigan. When that ball game is a double-digit Michigan line, I'm taking McNeese, and I may even take him on the money line. Who did Appalachian State just beat? Auburn. 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 At home. At home. At home. home. Yeah. Yeah. Auburn and Alabama. While I was in Mobile, Auburn and Alabama came to South. Stephen F. Austin won't even come here. That's how bad it is. So, so that again, we're, we're talking about marketing. We're talking about, and this is, is it all on Bob? I don't know. I don't know how these decisions get made, but you want to talk about getting more interest into your basketball program, getting people out. You're not marketing. And then you're playing Loyola of New Orleans and Louisiana Christian. That's not bringing anybody out to the games. Now, maybe against James Madison, we'll get some people out, but that's not even part of our schedule. That just, that's happenstance happening. But, but, you know, you can ask people to come. But they don't even do that. It's just like, well, we made the tournament, so people are going to show up. And yeah, I don't understand that. That it, I'm not sure why they didn't bother marketing it a lot. I mean, I can tell you before I got like, oh, you know, Matt Abair is asking me about, you know, we brought Glasgow in and wanting him to come in again, and Broadhead. No one's asking me about Bob coming on. You know, we were going to start. We we're going to start the weekly conversation when I taped the taped the stuff, and then then I got let go. But you know, no one's asking me to do this, do that. You know, we had all the coaches. Volleyball was in every week. Maggard was in every week. Uh, Des was in every week. Right? Hey, Dave, let me let me ask you this. When we made the NCAA tournament for basketball, you said nobody called. What happened when we made the NCAA tournament in baseball? Uh, when we made it in baseball. Well, they're the number one team in the country that first year. I mean, oh, so you're talking about 2014. Yeah. Well, yeah. you were getting calls on that every day. Well, sure. I'm not even sure what I what I walked into, right? Because I was told how good this team was, and they lost to Eastern Illinois in their first game, and then they ran off like 20 in a row. So I wasn't even sure. I and even you know, not having any idea what I was doing. I wasn't even talking LSU baseball with um, Aaron Nola and Bregman. I didn't even know what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and point is, is that the fans are going to tell you how they feel with how they behave. And sure. uh, even way back then, there was no interest in the basketball program. Yeah, there is. But there's tons of interest in the diamond sports. And there's a reason for that. I wonder about that, right? Because we could talk about Bob Marlin and his tenure. The baseball team's only been to Omaha once. That's all it takes. If, if just say right now, Bob Marlin goes to the Final Four this year. We will be talking about that for 25 years without question. Right. It'll be our right. Texas A&M right. moment. There's no right. question about it. We need one of those. He can make a sweet 16. It'll be talked about for 20 years. And they were on a, what was the drought in the NCAA tournament? Weren't they on like a four-year drought in the NCAA tournament? The baseball team? 
in 2014? No, are you talking about before? No, no. Before this year, how often had they been to the NCAA tournament? Oh, they went. To, they year. won it. They went through it because they won the championship. It, it was a six-year uh, drought from 16 to 22. It was a six-year drought. Yeah, it was a six-year yeah. drought. All right. That's and you great. still had tons of interest. Um, I'm not so sure about that. You know, there's the Section A guys, and then it kind of goes down. That's not a full house. It's not a full house at the Teague. If but not to, very our, good. to our point about the home games for basketball, even in 2019, Robes last season, it was one of our worst years on the diamond that year, record-wise in a long time. We opened up the season against Texas at home in a weekend series. Like, Texas was willing to come to Lafayette and play us in a three-game series. In 2021, the COVID year, we had TCU come in, and we didn't even have to return a home. It was supposed to be a home-and-home. Home. We didn't even return uh, a, a road uh, a series with them. I mean, we've had Alabama come to town. We've had – I'm trying to guess who else. I mean, we've had Houston come on midweeks. Nebraska we was Nebraska. a big deal back in the day. Yeah, I mean, like, we've had Michigan, really good teams. Michigan's come to town here. We've had uh, – I mean, there's so many big name schools that have come here, even the for just a weekend series. Is really good. You know, they've got the conference that's competitive. I mean, we're a top five conference in baseball, so I think that attractiveness there with the the non conference opponents as well. I mean, softball. You, you have Oklahoma. You've got Ole Miss. You've got Alabama, Florida. You can always expect a good weekend series well, of softball. Granted, so it is interesting. Softball, Ta you know. Talking about the diamond sports. All right, the two coaches. The, you know, you guys could talk about this. The two coaches took two different uh, ways with their schedule, all right? Jerry Glasgow, with his schedule, wants to host a Super Regional, all right? Now, he's got to go out and win, but he wants to host a Super Regional. He's going to go play in Oklahoma. He's playing Oklahoma in Oklahoma. Good luck with that, all right? The Cajuns baseball team has one hard weekend. That's it. It's nice. Was it Vanderbilt? LSU and them and is it Houston? I don't know. Whatever. The Houston multi-team thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 in Houston, right? That's the one weekend. He's got an awful schedule this year. It's an awful schedule. They better win 40 games this season, maybe 45. Because if they if they walk into that, if they walk into that uh Sunbelt Commerce tournament as a 37 win team, they damn well have to win the tournament. All right. And, you know, injuries happen, so we can take that in consideration. But I'm just saying, before the season starts, Matt Diggs has to win somewhere between 40 and 45 games, or he's not getting an at-large berth. That schedule is weak sauce. Whereas Glasgow is like, bring it on. We're going to win some of these games. Uh, maybe it's not quite as hard as it was before because, you know, of what happened last year. But um, he's, looking to, he's looking to get to, you know, again, winning a national championship is impossible in softball, right? To beat Oklahoma in Oklahoma City. I mean, that's, you know, but that doesn't even matter. They just want to get there, right? You want to get there. You want to experience it. You want to build a program and maybe you can go back, go back. Uh, but they're looking to do that. Baseball looks like they they want to backdoor their way in to, to uh, the NCAA tournament with just uh, uh, winning a lot of ball games, but not very tough. And baseball, you know, it was meant to be, you know, played in series and win two out of three. So, well, I mean, it worked for Liberty. So, uh, in football, so why not? Yeah, yeah, it did. Yep. We appreciate your time. I think Jerry's going to do the the honors, but I certainly appreciate you coming on. It's always fun to talk about it, uh, talk sports with you, and you know, I knew that you were going to give a different in quality perspective. So it was, uh, it was, it was good, and and it helped out a lot for to keep us in in check, to keep us. You I know, think I think the football team's heading in the right direction. I think the basketball team is going to have a tough year. That's based on the talent that's that they've got. Uh, and I think baseball and softball should be a lot of fun. 
I think they're going to try and win differently, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, Dave, buddy, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we really appreciate it. Always enjoy your insight. And uh, you do a great job with Locked On Sunbelt. So tell everybody where they can find you these days. Well, you guys, you know, helped me out in a big way, right? We had about uh, 150 subscribers in like a two-day in a two-day period uh, when you found out the situation. So I really appreciate that. Please subscribe, Locked On Sunbelt on YouTube. You can also do it wherever you get your audio podcasts. Uh, if you have a, a movie room like Nick does, you know, you can do it on the YouTube. Um, you know, he probably has some nice, bo- he's got a nice headset there. He probably has some nice Bose headphones as well um, with a noise cancellation. So you can get that wherever you get your audio podcast. Uh, the most popular ones are Apple podcast and Spotify. What tomorrow's episode uh, doesn't have too much Cajuns in it. Uh, it is uh, Troy named their head coach. Uh, the uh, Notre Dame uh, offensive coordinator, uh, Jared uh, Parker. I have no idea about him. So we looked that up and we got that in. Uh, We talked about ODU blowing it and we previewed the 68 Ventures Bowl. Um, Go figure. South Alabama is the road team playing at home. I at don't home. understand. Whatever. That stuff makes my head hurt. <laughs> they, they, they don't have to travel too far, right? So, Dave, thank Do you. Do they so still much. get meal money? Yeah, I guess I, I would think so. I would hope they can sell their ticket allotment in their home stadium, right? Well, it is, it's a Saturday before Christmas. So, you know, no students are there um, except the ones that, you know, live there. You know, do the, do the Alabama and Auburn kids go to the game with their folks? I don't know. It, it's, it's a tough spot. But it is a six, it is a six o'clock. It is a six o'clock start. So it's not during the day. Sounds good, Dave. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Don't be a stranger. Join us anytime. I will, I'm, I'm heading to South Florida myself. We'll see if we come back with a tan. Uh, and some uh, special bourbon. Well, maybe we'll get Nick a nice a bottle. He, he deserves a nice hey, bottle. I, I will more not, than Gentleman Jack. He's right? not going to say no to that. I'll, yeah, I need to send you. Uh, yeah, I'll send you a picture of my my setup. It's I got a lot more than Gentleman Jack. <laughs> All right, good. All right, I like Gentleman Jack. I don't have a problem with Gentleman Jack. It's, we, th- that's a weeknight on the pod drink. That's not okay. a normal. Drink. All right. And that'll wrap it up for part one of a three-part series on the state of Louisiana athletics. As always, we appreciate you for tuning in. And also, once again, thanks to Dave Schultz with Locked on Sunbelt for joining us and giving us a unique perspective on the state of Louisiana football and basketball. Parts two and three will be coming to you in the next couple of weeks. Part two will focus on the state of the football program and part three will focus on the state of basketball. Until then, we hope that you and your families have a safe and very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and Happy Holidays from all of us at the Rage and Review Podcast. Go Cajuns!